Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome to the Women of Golf show. I'm Ted Odorico and right alongside of course uh, each and every week uh, with me is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller and we are of course are the hosts of the Women of Golf show. Welcome and good morning Cindy. Well good morning Ted. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. That's right. We haven't uh, we haven't uh, been on air uh, since before the holidays and uh, so this is actually our First official show back, and we're very excited. We've got uh, some interesting things coming up uh, for this season. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, in, in a bit. But, Sydney, let me just remind everybody, of course, um, how they can get in touch with us, for those that maybe haven't figured it out. Um, and, uh, and then we'll get into our, our discussion this morning and talk about uh, our guests as well. Um, of course, we're, we're live every Tuesday morning, uh, unless we otherwise uh, state. And uh, you can find us here on blogtalkradio.com. Uh, women of Golf, and the best way to find us is blogtalkradio.com. Up in the search key, types Women of Golf, and that will take you to the main page. And, of course, live Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern time, uh, you will find us right front and center. Um, for some reason, if you can't join us live, not to worry. Just go to that link, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Women of Golf, and just scroll down to the On Demand section, and you can listen to us uh, later on when it's convenient for you. Uh, as all of the shows, of course, are auto-recorded, so you can listen to us uh, either live or uh, recorded version, whatever is uh, convenient for you. Uh, you can also uh, uh, listen to us uh, via iTunes.com or Stitcher.com under the podcast section. Again, visit either of those mediums. And also now on TuneIn.com, if you go to any of those three uh, platforms uh, under the podcast section, you can find us there. Again, just type in Women of Golf. And uh, Sydney and I were, uh, will be available on any of those uh, platforms to listen here on the Women of Golf Show. But we want to thank all of you for tuning in this morning. Uh, always love to hear from you. You're welcome. This year, we hope we're going to get a few of you calling in. The number to dial is area code 347-945-5855 uh, during the live broadcast on Tuesday mornings. We would love to hear from you. So please call in. Uh, you can find Sydney and I all over social media, but if you want to reach out to us personally, uh, maybe you've got some interesting ideas that uh, we haven't talked about on the show that you'd like to share with us, uh, or maybe you're somebody in the golf profession that would like to come on the show. Maybe you've got some interesting uh, tidbits to share with our, our, our listening audience that maybe can help their game or certainly inspire them to take up the game if maybe they're not doing so right now. So here's the ways that you can reach Cindy and I. Cindy's uh, email is at cindy at cindymillergolf.com, and mine is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And I'll read that out uh, later on in the broadcast again, just to remind everybody. But again, welcome to the show. We're glad uh, to be back. This is the first show of 2018 and the first show uh, of the season for women of golf. So we're very excited to be here. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, to start things off, uh, Cindy's going to uh, talk a little bit about some of the things that she was doing down at the PGA Merchandising Show uh, a few weeks ago. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend again this year, uh, which I'm a little bit disappointed in, but uh, 
nevertheless, uh, always busy with other things. But um, she's going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to announce a couple of things that we're going to do this year uh, that's a little bit different on the Women of Golf Show. We'll talk about that in a moment as well. And then later on, we're going to be joined by our very special guest this morning, uh, Louise Ball. She's the LPGA professional and owner and director of instruction at TN Golf Academy, which she uh, uh, developed herself. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and some other things that she's doing to help grow the game and help a lot of you out there uh, improve in the game. So, um, Cindy, let, let's first talk about um, uh, a little bit down at the merchandising show. I know that you were mentioning off air that you didn't really get a chance to walk around as much as, as you have in the past because you were uh, busy doing a lot of different uh, training and, and so forth. So talk about, a little bit about um, was there anything, first off, that you did see that caught your eye on the floor um, and then if not, we'll, we'll just get into some of the discussions about uh, what you took uh, as far as updating training or new things that you're taking. Anything on the, on the floor that you saw that was new or caught your eye? Well, you know what I didn't realize, and this is my bad. I, we went down, and we have a two-year-old granddaughter, and I bought her short golf clubs and, uh, for Christmas. Oh. And we went out to play. Wow. We played like 12 holes on Monday, the day before the demo day. And, you know, barely can walk, right? And she's like, no, I use Grammy's (laughs) Club. And I'm like, "Uh, Grammy's (laughs) Club's just a little bit too long for you. So I was over at the U.S. Kids Golf booth, and I did not realize that they make 39-inch clubs for a two- to three-year-old child with a real bag with real wow. clubs. So needless to say, that's what my granddaughter is going to be getting so- shortly. Um, so that was very cool. Um, wow, very cool. Really, yeah, I didn't really investigate lots and lots of things. I stopped by the Donald Ross booth because we know the owner's there, and they've got some great stuff. Mm-hmm. I went by Joe Fitt. Uh, they've got great stuff. I ordered some visors. I went to the New Era Cap booth, um, but nothing that I had to have, which I think is sad. But I got a lot of good training, and I got certified <laughs> with Positive Positive Coaching Alliance, which is awesome. Uh, I was very fortunate to be named a Master U.S. Kids Golf Instructor, which is uh, – Wow, Congratulations. Yeah, which is a big, big honor, which I'm thrilled about because I absolutely love U.S. Kids Golf and I love teaching kids. And then we also had the LPGA um, Top 50 Teachers, and I was voted Mm -hmm. one of those, which is very cool. One of the coolest things, though, was the Women in Golf Breakfast. And went to that, and the LPGA announced, you know, the grand opening of the LPGA Women's Network, which is great. And we've got courses yep. that we can do, uh, Golf 101 for women, which is awesome, which I'm conducting up in Buffalo. So we're trying to reach out to women to teach them how to play and make it easier and more comfortable. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I, I got a little bit of feedback about the show as well. And, you know, uh, in addition to obviously the, the typical um, uh, game improvement enhancements, whether it be clubs or other uh, areas of equipment, uh, was certainly prevalent at the show, but um, I didn't really hear. I, I think obviously there, there's been um, again some additional advancements in technology, um, whether it be new apps and things like that that are out there. And I think really people are, are going to hear more and more about that as as the, the year goes on. Um, and obviously, um, you know, I know Top Golf. I've seen a lot of uh, push on that here recently. I know that they're expanding 
and a lot of people are excited about some of the, the advancements and things that they're doing um, in growth and so forth. So um, a lot of good things that, but obviously for a lot of professionals uh, such as yourself, really a lot of the, the reasons you go down there um, is not just to see what's new and, and interesting as far as equipment and things, but as you said, to, to go down there and, and this is an opportunity to network with your fellow professionals um, and also industry types and also to update any training that you might be looking at to uh, help your uh, abilities to, to, of course, uh, teach your students. So <clears throat> what were some of the things, <clears throat> pardon me, that you were uh, engaged with down there and just maybe talk a little bit about some of the things that you were excited about uh, taking part of? Well, we uh, on Tuesday afternoon, we had a social media workshop with the Golf Channel, which was kind of cool, uh, to learn how to do social media a little better. And then we had a Lead Coaches Academy workshop, which was great at the Golf Channel. And on Wednesday, we had a negotiating seminar workshop with the LPGA, which was awesome. And then a player development workshop, a how to help you know get new players in the game and create new content new courses that intrigues people to want you know encourage them to play and then we right. i taught a uh, a workshop on how to automate simplify and grow your business with karen Palacios jensen and kelly brook from uh randall's island in new york city which was great and then, again, as I mentioned, the Positive Coaching Alliance, I got certified in that. And LPGA Girls Golf, we had a seminar on that and a, a site director's workshop. So really, lots and lots of LPGA stuff. Yeah. Well, explain a little bit about the, the Positive Coaching uh, Alliance. Uh, you, you mentioned about getting certified in that. What's involved in that? What, what does that uh, uh, do as far as... Um, helping you? How is it helping you? What did you find? What did you learn from, from taking that certification course um, that, that you are going to be able to then relay into uh, your teaching uh, with, with your students? What were some of the things that well, uh, you found impressive about that? A lot of it has to do with how to handle parents, which is a big challenge, <laughs> uh, right. to say, and how to give feedback. So what do you do if somebody has an attitude attack and how do you, it, it's kind of like a, uh, I don't want to say it's a positive criticism sandwich, but you, you say something positive and then you give them a criticism. Now, if you had done this instead of that, what would the outcome be? Um, so it's right. how, to, how to give criticism, how to give feedback, how to be more positive, right. how to encourage students in a good way instead mm-hmm. of, you know, you stupid idiot, why did you do that? And, and <laughs> it just, it helps. It's, it's just very, very good for anything that has to do with teaching kids. And I had done it before it's through us kids golf. And now the LPGA has gotten on the bandwagon and gotten smarter and, you know, realizes that this is very, very important. And if you're going to be a coach, you have to go through um, a background check. You know, who is this person and are they right good to help my child? And do I want them? It's called the power of double goal coaching. And there's a book that they wrote by Jim Thompson. And it, it just, you know, basically, 
create a coaching legacy that will live on through the lives of your players, right? Improve your athlete's performance by focusing on effort rather than results. So, so many parents are, you know, you got to win, you got to win. Well, not really. If you, if you do the right effort and you practice, you will get the results. Elevate your athlete's emotional state so they can perform at their peak level and have more fun. You know, what a great idea. Because again, no one is trying to lose. No, of course not. I think too. If I if I understand it correctly, I think too. Really, what what this um, uh, uh, course that you you uh, are involved with really is what it's saying is it's it's finding ways to motivate your students to want to learn more and to want to improve, um, while at the same time showing them areas where they could improve. And and you're exactly right. I think how you handle that. Um, because there's nothing worse if somebody comes up for a lesson or even a group of lessons and the way you approach um, and, and how you're constructing or deconstructing what they're doing, if it's not done in, in, a, in a proper way, um, they're not inclined to want to come back. If they feel that, that they're not not only learning something, but they're not feeling like um, they're being very well motivated throughout the process, then they become very disinterested in the sport. It, uh, and I think that's part of what makes it very difficult. Golf is difficult, as you and I know, on its own. I mean, we don't, it doesn't need any help to be, be difficult. But there's nothing worse. But you know what I mean. Well, listen, you've been out in the tour. Well, many, you're many right. Years, I'm you know laughing exactly. because it's the right. truth. Right. And I, I've said this. I was on uh, last year. I was um, had the honor and privilege of, of uh, being on um, with Mark Croft and, and his uh, golf show um, in uh, in Yuma, Arizona, and one of the things that we talked about was you know some of the things that that uh, particularly young girls and that can use uh, golf for, and there's there's a myriad of them. But one of the things I said that you know really people understand, you know not everybody is going to make it out on the on the tour, and uh, if you have those aspirations, it's a lot of hard work as you can attest to. But really, golf is a vessel. It's it's a tool, if you will, that we can use. It's a game, of course. Uh, we want to have fun and enjoy it. But it can also be a tool to help navigate many different aspects of your life. Uh, it can be used as a business tool uh, to help, uh, you know, get to solicit new clients and, and uh, new friendships, of course. Um, but it's also a tool that helps you um, through a uh, very myriad of things in, in life. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you're out in the golf course, you're navigating different challenges, whether it be a bunker, whether it be water hazards, where it be, you know, out of bounds, whatever – and it's much like life. There's different challenges in life that you navigate. And the more proficient you become on the golf course and handling uh, those types of challenges, that's going to then help you out in life help uh, navigate challenges that you may be faced with in life as well. So the more that you practice, the more that you put into it, I think is going to be good all the way around. But there's nothing, as I said a moment ago, there's nothing worse than going and, and engaging with a coach or teach professional and you're not getting that positive uh, encouragement uh, or motivation from them, and it's always uh, kind of a negative experience, and that is what we want to avoid. And, and I know it's not intentional by the coaches, Cindy, but sometimes we can't help it. We get caught up and you know, we get frustrated when we see somebody's not really giving their best effort or paying attention to what we're trying to explain to them, and it can be very hard. So it, it's good that I think the industry is, is putting forth products like this and services to help us uh, be better at what we're doing, and it sounds like that's exactly what the, the folks uh, are doing with this particular certification, and, and I'm assuming that's correct, right? Yeah, and it, again, it includes all kinds of 
sports. I mean, this is not just golf. This is baseball, football, sure. soccer, you know, everything. So it, it's they teach athletes to compete fiercely while honoring the game. In other words, what do you do when somebody cheats? How do you handle that? And, you know, so yep. it, it, because it happens all the time. I mean, I have all these kids that I teach to say, oh, this girl cheats all the time. Her father lets her cheat. Well, what, how are you going to deal with that? And and the funny thing is, is that right. um, one of the parents said to me yesterday that the she was this girl was playing with someone that I teach, and the father the, of the girl that I teach was there and said, "We're not signing your scorecard. We will not sign your scorecard because it is not the truth." So, right, that's the best thing you can do. <clears throat> yeah, and and golf. Golf teaches integrity and honesty, um, and and that's something that comes very quickly to the surface when you play because it's very hard to hide. I mean, you know, you get a lot of people out there in the golf course, and they, you know, try to do things to improve their circumstances. And if they're playing by themselves, they get away with it. But if they're playing with a foursome who's paying attention, um, you know, it's it's pretty. Di- I'm not saying it can't happen, but it's pretty difficult to cheat, and so it forces you really to develop. Uh, good character and that's something that you know as coaches and teach professionals we want to instill in our students is right from the get-go is it's not just about learning how to play the game but it's learning how to develop um, an an attitude of integrity of an honesty when you're playing that game because really the truth of the matter is if you're not being honest with yourself on the golf course you're not cheating anybody really but yourself um, because you're not giving it your best effort and you know People strive and they say, well, I want to break 100 and I, or I want to break 80 or 90 or whatever the case may be. But if you're cheating um, and giving yourself four or five strokes that you didn't honestly earn just to break that number, then you're really not hurting anybody other than yourself. And um, that's where I think a self-evaluation comes in, and, and that's something that your coach can help you with as well. Um, the other thing, Cindy, I wanted to ask you, because um, I know that you had a chance to to uh, meet with, and, and obviously I, I believe they have, uh, the LBJ has a, their meeting down there as well. Um, anything new that you can share uh, with us that's happening with the LPGA this year? Anything new and exciting that, uh, uh, that they've launched or that they're uh, spearheading this, this season? Well, they're going to form a partnership or an alliance with the EWGA, which is really exciting, mm-hmm. and more on that will be coming in April, I believe. Um, so, yeah, lots of good stuff with the EWGA, the LPGA, the Women's Networks, Golf 101, all kinds of good stuff. Good. And just for those that aren't familiar, the EWGA is, of course, the Executive Women's Golf Association, which is a, a great network throughout the United States, many, many chapters all over. Uh, we've actually had some guests on the show that are members of, of their local EWGA. In fact, we had the, the um, I think it was the president, if, not, if I'm not mistaken, of the EWGA uh, was on our show uh, last year or the year before, I believe. So uh, it's a great organization and uh, a lot of great uh, members in those groups. And uh, it's great that the LPGA is, is connecting with them and, and uh, helping them to, uh, to grow as well. Um, was there anything else? Now, did you, you said you, about the demo day, you went to, to one of the demo days or, or, or no? I did go to demo day, but um, I wasn't there very long. I walked around once um, because I had to get mm-hmm. back to the Golf Channel for the training. So I really right. I just walked around to see what was there. I did buy uh, a r- couple of radar detectors for my speed, super speed sticks 
that I use with the kids and mm-hmm. myself to get more club head speed, but that was about it. Hmm. Um, one final th- question, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about the season coming up here. Um, what do you want to do for yourself this year? Um, a to to help become a better coach, and as far as playing, is there anything that you want to work on this year for your own game um, that maybe um, the students can can pick up on, and and uh, and and also uh, the listeners that may be listening might say, yeah, that's something I need to do as well. What what are you going to work on this year? What are you going to work on, Cindy Miller, this year uh, to become a better player and and coach as well? I'm going to focus on me and what I can control and what I can't control. And that means is there's the first ever women's U.S. senior open in July that Mm -hmm. I am not currently exempt for. And I would love to play in that tournament, and I'm going to try to qualify, and I'm working on my game. But in the past, I have tended to beat myself up if I didn't get what I wanted. And I think I'm a little tiny schmidzen wiser now. And I know that uh, I have to have realistic expectations and I'm going to work on my game and I can only control what I can control. And I'm going to try to do that better. So, uh, and I'm going to try to communicate that to all my students. We've got a few boot camps coming up and we've got seven kids coming to the boot camp here in a couple of weeks. And I'm really looking forward to helping them on the golf course, learn how to score better. So I think it's all about what, what can you control, what you can't control. And I'm going to be more realistic. That's what I vow to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's uh, great advice. And I think for anybody that, that might be listening into the show this morning uh, or may listen uh, at a later time, um, I think that's great advice. I think that, you know, we're all individuals, and I think one of the problems that as human beings that we have is we get caught up uh, in the trap of trying to be uh, somebody else. You know, for other tour players, as an example, that might be uh, out there playing, I mean, you have to go out there and play your game. Don't worry about what so-and-so is doing. I mean, obviously, you want to be cognizant of what they're doing out in the golf course uh, if you're in competition, um, but you play to your strengths uh, and abilities, and don't worry about trying to emulate somebody else. Uh, or trying to uh, do something because it's it's been successful for for another player, um, I think you have to be true to thyself, and uh, you're exactly right. You have to not beat yourself up. Um, work on the things that you knew uh, that you know. Excuse me. Um, what you need to work on this season, if it's the short game, if it's the long game, uh, or somewhere in between, uh, or if it's the mental uh, toughness, if you need to strengthen that up a little bit, uh, or dial it back a little bit, even. Um, then those are things that I think as a player uh, you have to be able to do, and it sounds like you've got a good game plan uh, for 2018. Uh, speaking of which, Sydney, uh, let's just talk a little bit about, uh, just got a couple things, nothing uh, too major, but I think it's going to be interesting for the listeners out there. Um, one of the things that um, I think that we're going to try to do this year, uh, in addition to having some great guests, uh, we're going to try and tackle some, some different topics, and um, two things that we want from you uh, listeners out there Number one, uh, we want you to obviously be engaged in the conversation. Uh, I know it's not always possible. Sometimes you've got busy uh, careers and active lives yourself, so it's not always easy uh, to necessarily pick up the phone, and we understand that. But if you do, um, during our live broadcast on Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern, uh, if you call into the show at uh, area code 347 
Um, you're welcome to call in and talk with Cindy and I. Maybe you have questions uh, or concerns about your game, uh, or maybe you just want to call in. Maybe we've got a guest that's uh, going to be on the show that you're interested in and uh, speaking with, and maybe you've got some questions for them. Or maybe you just want to say, hey, I, I've been following you uh, for a number of years uh, through your career, and I like what you're doing. It's helped my game, uh, or it's given me inspiration in other ways. Uh, by all means, we would love to hear from you. Um, the other thing, too, as well, is if you're a little bit shy and you don't want to uh, call into the show, but maybe you want to reach out to Cindy and I, uh, maybe with some great show uh, recommendations of things that you'd like for us to talk about, discussions, um, or maybe there's uh, somebody, a, a local professional that you're working with in your area, or maybe you are a professional, uh, and you don't necessarily have to be a teacher professional or a coach. Uh, you might be somebody in the golf industry that has uh, come across our program or heard about our program, and you want to uh, take part in it somehow, some way, uh, here's the best way to reach out. Uh, you can either contact Cindy uh, or myself. Cindy's email is cindy at cindymillergolf.com, and mine is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Um, I mentioned also there was another thing that uh, I want to talk about very quickly. Um, one of the things that uh, I've done on the other show, Cindy, uh, on uh, Golf Talk Live, which I, I host on Thursday evenings, uh, is a, a coach's corner panel, if you will. Uh, it's been very, very successful. I have a lot of great professionals that uh, chime in every week, uh, and that's going to be beginning March 1st. It's going to be the official uh, segment uh, for Coach's Corner on Golf Talk Live. Um, but I want to do something similar. I didn't want to just duplicate or copy that, but I want to do something similar. So the third Tuesday of every month, beginning in March, uh, Cindy and I are going to host uh, a panel discussion of sorts uh, here on the Women of Golf Show. So we're going to invite some uh, fellow professionals and industry types on the show from all different areas of the golf industry. And we're going to have them beginning in March. I'm already working on the schedule right now. And what we're going to do is we're going to invite them. We're going to have specific topics, um, some that you may uh, have introduced to us or some that we may uh, come up on our own. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a panel discussion, talk about some of the important issues that face women's golf, um, some of the things that the students out there, maybe questions that they may have um, that they want answers to or unsure of, um, maybe it's a, a beginner that's never really played very much that wants to learn and understand the game. We're going to tackle a lot of those issues throughout the season. So the third Tuesday of every month, beginning in March, um, we're going to hold our own Women of Golf panel discussion here uh, each and every uh, third Tuesday of the month. So we hope you'll take part in that and participate because we'd love your input as well as uh, the coaches and, and, uh, and professionals that we're going to invite on in the show. Um, so that's what's going to be coming up, and we're, we're certainly excited about that. And we're going to have a few other little tidbits throughout the season that we'll, we'll uh, bring up as we go along. But um, we hope that you'll continue to uh, join in on the show each and every week because we, we love uh, doing this for you and Cindy and I um, enjoy helping you as best we can. And speaking of help, uh, Cindy, we're going to – I see that our, our guest is ready, so let me just do a very quick introduction and then we'll bring uh, our very special guest this morning to join us. Uh, of course, our guest, as I mentioned earlier, is Louise Ball, and she's an LPGA professional and also the owner-director of instruction at the TN uh, Golf Academy, which is, of course, Tennessee. Uh, Louise is a 20-year member of the LPGA Teaching and Club Professional. Uh, she uh, is currently residing in Knoxville, Tennessee, with her husband, Tom, and their, uh, their two Basset Hounds. Uh, as I mentioned, she's the owner of the TN Golf Academy, uh, where she teaches private and group lessons to men and women of all ages and all ability levels. Uh, she's also the site director uh, for the LPGA USGA Girls Golf of East Tennessee and runs her uh, club's uh, youth golf program. Uh, she's also about passionate about sharing the game 
that she loves uh, with her students and enjoys the individuality that comes with teaching the LPGA way so each student can maximize their potential and achieve their goals. Uh, she currently uh, serves as the LPGA Midwest Section President and in her spare time enjoys uh, everything from traveling, uh, a little gardening, and of course volunteer, volunteering excuse me, uh, for Special Olympics uh, in Tennessee and, and uh, also <laughs> belly rubs Bassett Re uh, Rescue. So uh, without further ado, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, Louise Ball. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, so I want to know about, is that okay, Ted? I'm going to interrupt. Yeah, yeah you go ahead. I want to know in. about the, yep. well, Louise is like the master junior golf guru girl. And <laughs> she is hosting the Leadership Academy, yes? Uh, yeah, I'm hosting the Girls Golf Academy, which is for the younger girls, and the Leadership Academy is for the the older kids. So I'm hosting for the younger younger girls. And you did that last year as well. I did, yes. So the Girls Golf Leadership Academy, um, or the regular Girls Golf Academy, started a few years ago um, at one site once a year. And last year, uh, we wanted to have a better outreach, so we had uh, the LPG asked site directors to volunteer to now host the academy. So um, they basically, we did it for a few years. We got it kind of the way we wanted it so that it could just be like golf in a box, if you will, and we can take it as our own site directors and kind of put our own spin on it. So um, I was one of three sites that hosted last year, and uh, we actually had 24 girls from eight different states come to Knoxville, and it was awesome. How cool is wow. that? Yeah, it was really fun. So, and yeah, you're doing it again this year. Yeah, let me. I, go ahead. Yes, I am. We're hosting again. So let me ask you just uh, sort of to, to back on, uh, piggyback on that a little bit. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, youth golf is very, very important to the industry. What are some things not only that maybe your fellow teacher professionals should know and, and also maybe parents that might be listening to the show that has a junior that uh, maybe has expressed an interest? Um, they don't necessarily have to be involved in it now. What do they need to know? Let's start with the, with the professionals first. Um, when teaching students um, uh, in, in these youth programs, what is most important that you want to make sure that they understand when they're working with um, you know, some of our younger kids out there? What are some of the important factors they need to keep in mind when, when working with young students as opposed to uh, adults? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that's where we as instructors have come so far. Um, in recent years where we have figured out that we need to, first of all, get the kids in the game way earlier. You know, usually it was seven, mm -hmm. eight, nine years old, and then kids were ready for golf. But we were finding that, you know, the kids are in soccer and karate and all these other sports at three and four years old. And, you know, once they get in there, it's like, okay, that's going to be their focus. So we have adapted golf now to suit younger kids. We have lighter, smaller equipment. We've made it super fun with teaching them through using games instead of traditional, mm -hmm. you know, teaching methods. Um, you know, the parents have to be involved. They're a huge uh, cog in the wheel because the kid, we only have the kids for a small amount of time. So we have to give the parents the tools also to kind of continue the way we teach um, when they're driving the mm -hmm. kids to and from practice or whatever they're doing. And, um, you know, we've made now starting to make the golf courses more adaptable for kids. So I know, like, at our club, we have the U.S. Kids T-markers in the fairway. And it's permanent. And then we have a mark on the cart path. So if your child can hit the ball, you know, 50 yards with their driver, 
then they're going to play from that most forward key marker. And then once they get a little bit better, they can back up a little bit. So we actually have two sets of junior tees that are, you know, the first set of tees, uh, let's say on a par four, is about 120 yards from the green. You know, so so the kids can get on the course with the adults and they don't feel overwhelmed like, okay, tee it up from the, you know, the forward tees. Well, you know, that's not going to be fun mm-hmm. for a kid. So you have to make it fun and engaging and positive. So I'd say those are the main things. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think that's where I need to be playing from, Cindy, is the 120-yard the <laughs> marker. I think that's where I need to move up to. Um, so let's talk about I'm with the, you, honey. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's flip it over a little bit and because you, you mentioned the parents. Let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, Cindy, as you know, you've worked with a lot of juniors, and, and, and I'm going to put this politely, but sometimes parents can be a little bit aggressive. Um, you know, they, they want their student to be the next, you know, top player on the LPGA or, or whatever the case may be. And they, they you know, and I'm, obviously they're not doing that at three, four years old, but uh, hopefully not. But um, when they get up <laughs> there, you know, they're pushing and prodding. Well, yeah, I'm sure there might be a few. Um, but, you know, they're, they're pushing and prodding these kids, and sometimes they're doing more harm than good. So what's your advice for parents? How did it handle that? And how do you, as an instructor, um, handle the parents without, you know, offending anybody and, and obviously, you know, right. wanting to keep their uh, kids involved? Yeah, so, I mean, I think it starts with relationships first. You know, golf to the side. You have to have that relationship with your parents and you know they have to learn to um, trust you and you know you gain their respect so I think it starts there and then we use at the at our golf academy we use um, we use a technique that we call the golf universe and so what we do is we sit down depending on the age of the kids so when the kids are really little we don't involve them as much like I'm talking probably six or seven or under but when the kids get in, in elementary school and middle school, we like to empower the kids that the golf game is their game. And we try to explain right. to the parents that, you know, your job is to facilitate having fun, being their cheerleader, you know, driving them around, stuff like that, and leave the coaching to the coaches. So we put the kids right. in the middle of the golf universe, and we let the kids, you know, decide who's in their universe. So it may be, you know, definitely just their parents and then their coach. Um, but if they play on a middle school, middle school team or high school team, then it would be that golf coach as well, their teammates, perhaps their siblings if they have brothers and sisters. And then we let the kids say how we want all those planets to support their golf game. So maybe the kid says, okay, right. well, I don't want my mom to talk to me about my golf match on the way to or from the golf match. I just want her to talk about something else or we can talk about school or what we're going to do over the weekend. So we give the kids the tools to be able to express what they need. And that has worked really beautifully because most parents don't really know. They think it's supposed to be their job to ask a bunch of questions and, you know, and like I said, Cindy, it's really, it starts with the, your relationship with the parents first. You know, because you don't want to seem like you're bossing them around. <laughs> so you've right. got to have some tact, right. and you've got to, and they've got to, they've got to trust you first, because you know you're with their kids. So I think that's well, definitely and, the and number one I step. Think it's how you do it. If you say, you know, in all our years of te- teaching and playing, this is what we've learned really works the best, and we would yeah. like you to partner with us on this, and exactly. it probably will make all relationships work way better. So yeah. are you okay with that, you know, type of way? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely how we approach it. And, you know, bottom line is the the parents 
are investing money with you to help their kids, and they just want what's best for their kids. So that's where, you know, they trust you, they see what you're doing, they learn that you're a great person and you know how to coach and all that, and then, you know, you're just kind of guiding them as part of the process. Perfect. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we've had yeah, and, and, and we've had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you obviously want the parents to be to be engaged uh, to a certain degree, and and there's obviously mm-hmm. appropriate times when you know if they have questions and that you know obviously when you're when you're first setting things up, but also um, you know maybe at the end of the session if they have uh, some questions uh, or even concerns that they want to address, I think that's the time to do it and not sort of you know constantly being a buttinsky, if you will, for lack of better words, because it's it's. It's difficult enough um, sometimes when you're dealing with, with youngsters. I, I know we've interviewed a number of uh, other professionals on the shows that um, work with, with young uh, children, uh, some of them, again, young as three and four years old. It's very difficult sometimes to keep their attention, and there's, I'm sure, nothing worse than when you've got parents you know, sort of on the sidelines that are, that are kind of jumping in and trying to uh, you know, interfere in the process. So. You know, like you said, it's about trust. It's about developing those relationships, and that's really what, as a, as a, a teach professional and or coach, uh, it's really what the, the first and foremost thing is: developing those relationships and building um, a, a level of trust, so that they can stand off and enjoy and watch the process, but not necessarily have to interfere in the process. And I think that's a, sort of a balancing act that that you have to find, and that comes with, as you said, uh, Louise, uh, experience and time, uh, you know, working through the different programs. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about the, your your golf academies. What are some of the things that that students that uh, uh, maybe in your area? Uh, you mentioned you're up in the Knoxville area. So, uh, what are some things that you're offering at, at the academy um, that you like to, in addition to the to the youth programs, of course? Uh, what are the things that you're doing up there? Well, we have a it's a pretty golf rich environment here. Um, you know, we can golf year round. Uh, it's been a little chilly this winter, but. For the most part, yeah. we, we stay between 40 and 50, you know, in the winter. And, uh, you know, the golf course is still right. open. So um, it's, a, it's a nice environment for golf here. Um, so for me personally, I have some of the adult programs that I do. Um, I have like a golf makeover that I'll do, and it's for men and women. And basically they get their own little group of three or four together, and we do a half day or an all day, um, like uh, – Oh, kind of like a golf camp for adults. So we'll do some skill stuff in the mm-hmm. morning and we'll rotate through some different stations and I'll give them some drills, uh, help them with their te- technique there. And then we may have a little lunch if it's a full day and then we'll go out on the golf course and do nine holes. Um, so that's been a pretty popular one. Another popular one that I do is called Clinics with a Twist. And that's for adults. Mm-hmm. And it's once a week um, in the evening. And it's it started off just for women, but we do let uh, men in it as well. But how it started was we have our men's league on Tuesday nights at 5:30. So I start the clinic at six, um, mostly for newer golfers, but you know anybody can come. And we have a signature cocktail, and then we play music. <laughs> so we may have a oh, wow. chipping one night. Yeah. So we'll have like <clears throat> we'll serve wine or wine coolers or margaritas or something, um, and then we'll do that one specific skill. And then it's an hour clinic. They pay $20 for it, includes everything. And then usually afterwards, mm. the women will go in and hang out at the grill room and wait for the guys to finish up their league, and then they'll all have dinner together. So that's been a really popular clinic, um, and those are almost every Tuesday during the summer. So that's been a really fun one. Wow. And then I have a, um, yeah, yeah. Then I have a, a clinic that I do for um, the Special Olympics kids, and what we did was we modified it a little bit, and co- we call it Golf with Friends. So 
any special needs um, child or young adult can come to it and they can bring whoever they want. They can bring their brother, sister, cousin, aunt, uncle. And we have a, we have like an hour and a half long clinic. We play music. Um, I, you know, I give them the club. Some kids have their own clubs, but it started because I teach a special needs uh, young man who is now 22. And we, right. we wanted to try to find people for him to play golf with. So that's kind of how it started. Mm-hmm. And it's been a terrific program and the parents just love it. They kind of all hang out together and, um, somebody volunteers to bring, you know, drinks and snacks because it can be pretty hot down here in the summer. Um, so yeah, we we yeah, had oh, yes. a really really fun <laughs> time with that, with that. And then um, at the end of the year last year, we did a little um, like three hole tournament where we had a scramble and we had people volunteer and it, you know, it's really just integrating everybody into the club with this um, special group of kids and young adults and and it's been probably one of my favorite things. That's yeah, awesome. that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, just just on a side note, um, you know, we've interviewed um, uh, actually a young lady. Um, actually, she's I think in her forties, but um, her name is Jana uh, Rojas, and uh, she has um, some challenges as well. And one of the mm-hmm. things that that she is spearheading right now is to sort of open the door to golf for many many special needs. Um, mm-hmm individuals not just the kids but adults across the, the country mm-hmm. she's actually been featured on the golf channel and others and i was very surprised at some of the stats that she rang off um and they actually had some very prominent universities in the united states uh do some statistics and and i'm going just from memory here but i believe it's approximately 24 million people here in the united states alone that fall into that category that wow. there's very little uh, or no um uh, you know, intertwining with the golf industry. And there's a lot of people that are in that that would love to take part uh, in some fashion in golf, but nobody's knocking at their door. So I think it's fantastic what you're doing at, at your facility. And I hope that mm-hmm. other professionals that might be listening in um, can take note of that and maybe even want to reach out to you and do something similar at their club, because I'm sure with that many people around the country, there's, they're going to have a, you know, not a problem in finding somebody um, but that's an area that the industry really, I mean, you think about that, that's almost as many golfers uh, or potential golfers as in the, the normal category of golf uh, uh, players that we have now uh, in the United States, uh, you know, between 25 and 30 million people playing. So there's a whole mm-hmm. huge untapped market of individuals that would love to play um, golf, but, um, you know, nobody or very few are, are actually approaching it. So I, 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 kudos to you for doing what you're doing. And um, well, I think that that's something yeah. that that you know that we can uh, hopefully uh, get more of involved. Um, Cindy, go I ahead. agree I know with you. 100%. Have, uh, some other questions. So, what do you do with them? Tell us more. Okay, so um, you know we we start with you know of course the basics, and you know we we just we break them into smaller groups. So pretty much, I have one volunteer for every special needs athlete that comes. Um, so we, we work all separately individual with them as a group. Okay. So we're definitely going over the grip and the posture. Um, you know, some of the kids are, are on the autistic spectrum are pretty, you know, pretty far over. And then there's ones that are more high functioning. So you really have to have that one-on-one because everybody's needs are different. Um, you know, we have one girl who's like 14 and she, (laughs) She's got Down syndrome, and she is 
so cute. I love her so much. Sometimes she wants to participate. Sometimes she wants to just sit on the mat and watch everybody else. Sometimes she wants to walk to the other end of the driving range and do nothing. But, you know, we, we always have somebody with her. We, we talk. If she wants right. to sit, you know, cross-legged and just sit there, we sit with her. You know, so you really have to be adaptable. And you'll find your volunteers are people that are connected to that special needs community in some other way. Either they have a relative or a friend you know, that has um, something. And so those are the kind of people that you want to find. Um, and, and, you know, my volunteers show up every single week. We do it every other Thursday um, from 530 to 7, and, and they come every time. And it's so rewarding, really, for everybody. So, you know, one week we might have um, putting, and then I'll set up, you know, some really fun games and stuff. It has to be really engaging. But we always try to do at least five or ten minutes on the technique Sometimes that flies out the window. You know, you really have to just be adaptable yeah. with it. Um, but, you know, I right. think you're right. Golf is such a great vehicle um, for these athletes because, you know, the running and the jumping and the chaos of a lot of other sports out there, you don't have that in golf. Golf is very calm. It can be a one-on-one thing. Um, it's something you can do with your family. Um, and you can really participate mm. in it on any level. So you never have to get any better, and you can still have fun playing golf. So I think that's what's been right. a great uh, eye-opener for all the parents is they were like, okay, well, you know, they don't have a lot of things the kids can participate in, like you said, and I think the research that yep. that girl did is terrific, and I'd love to be connected with her to see what she's doing. Um, but we really – it's so rewarding, and it's so – it's just so needed just for the social part of it. You know, forget the sport aspect of it, but just, you know, to have a community for them to come to and be part of is huge because they don't have that. Yeah, I will, um, just on a side note, I will make a point of, of reaching out to her. Um, she's actually going to be coming back on, on the show a little bit later this year um, to talk about some things. She actually um, is involved in an organization called Adaptive Golfers. But let me just share a very mm-hmm. quick story, um, and then we'll, we'll get back to the discussion. Um, she actually talked about uh, very early on, uh, when she got, uh, you know, playing golf and, and learning to play, and, and she can only, of course, um, uh, because of her, her needs, can only play with, with one, uh, one arm. And the interesting story that she shared uh, with me was that um, she was contacted by the parents of a, uh, I think she said it was an eight- or nine-year-old little girl who has the exact same uh, challenges that she has, and basically said to her, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, that she watched her not only on the golf channel but watched some some video and heard about her and she said i never knew that i could do that and that's what i was saying earlier about why i think and i think this would be and i can't think of a better organization than the lpj um reaching out throughout their members to really grapple on this because there are a lot of young kids um not just girls but even boys that fall into this special needs category uh, and again, uh, I think it's just, um, you know, like anything else, I, I think it's not a, an area that has really been uh, greatly tapped into at this point. But there are a lot of kids that would love to play that didn't know that they could, didn't think it, golf was for them um, because of their, their challenges. And this is what Jana uh, has really tried to spearhead. It's not just about the wounded veterans coming back that, you know, uh, have lost limbs and things like that. It's about the youngsters and even the adults um, that are here that have had from birth, different special challenges and needs um, that, um, you know, they want to feel in- included uh, in these things. So I think what you're doing is great. 
And, you know, this is something that um, I think that more and more need to, to be involved with. So I will definitely make that connection for you. And, and maybe there's some, some things that you can do and she can do to, uh, to help one another to, to further enhance that. Um, Great. The other, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about um, is explain to us the Belly Rubs Bassett Rescue. I know this is not golf, but um, obviously this is something that you're passionate about and I thought that'd be a good good way to end this segment. So tell us a little bit about that. Obviously, you have um, uh, some some uh, little little friends that you want to talk about, and and uh, you're obviously involved in in their lives as well. So by all means, go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Well, I I just think the name is so great, right? So belly rubs, and if you've ever met a basset hound, that's what you're going to get. They're, you're going to meet them, and they're instantly yeah. going to roll on their back and want you to scratch their tummy. So. Um, yeah, so Belly Rubs is an organization that's all volunteer, of course, like all, all rescues are. Um, and it's in Tennessee, uh, Arkansas, like East Arkansas and Northern Mississippi, which is a strange demographic. But it started basically over in North Mississippi, and then it just it branched over to here. Um, so we, we save basset hounds and hound mixes. Um, Tennessee is one of the highest states for um, for shelters and, and dogs like that, homeless dogs. Um, it's The problem is huge down here. So um, a lot of mm-hmm. our dogs, uh, you know, we rescue them. We have a huge group of volunteers, and then the, the volunteers, and it's been great through social media. It's really helped make it easier where we can reach out and people will volunteer to foster the dog. Um, belly rubs will always pay for all of the medical attention you know most of the dogs come in and they're stray or they've just been dumped at the shelter so one of the dogs that i um that we adopted named ruby we got her when she was about five and basically she was dropped in the night drop box which is in my opinion Mm. totally cowardly if you're going to give your dog up you know you don't want anybody to see you anyway she had a whole host of issues that belly rubs you know nursed her back to health um, we adopted her, and, um, you know, she was very traumatized, so I don't know what happened to her, but it's just, you know, the Belly Rubs organization gives the dogs a chance to get well and really um, vets them and sees what their personalities are so that when they get adopted, they can be successful. You know, so they make sure they can be around other dogs or if they're good with kids, not good with kids. So the organization saves um, and rehomes. I think last year we rehomed over 50 dogs. Um, mm-hmm. we also wow. have a network that, yeah, that will travel. So, um, one of the dogs we had here, uh, ended up in Connecticut. So, you know, just through our volunteers, we have like a, people will drive a couple hours, coordinate with a pickup. The next person drives the next leg. So it's really quite incredible what people are willing to do for these guys who, you know, can't fend for themselves. So yeah, we're involved right. in any way that we can be, whether it be, um, to go pick a dog up at a shelter and deliver it to a foster home or, um, you know, we've adopted a couple over the years. So I just, I'm a dog lover. I've been a dog lover my whole life. So for me, it's a no brainer. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And what a great way to give back to, you know, to an organization, your community that obviously you share um, a a passion about. Um, Let me just ask you a question just to follow up on that. And, and, And I don't know, this is something maybe it wouldn't, couldn't happen or you've thought of and just not logistically uh, possible, but have you ever thought of maybe somehow finding a way of getting that organization to work with your, um, your special needs, uh, special Olympics, um, your volunteering program that you're doing there 
and somehow merging the two together. Cause I think that maybe having the dogs uh, or some of the dogs uh, made available during that, your programs that you're doing, um, would that be something? Cause I mean, well, who doesn't love a dog and you know, kids love dogs and yeah. things like that. Is that something that, that have you ever thought of that or considered or I haven't something thought that, of that. You know, and you know not... what? That's a really, that's a really good idea. <laughs> that's a really good idea. It's because a great idea. Another, yeah. Because you know what? I mean, one of the girls that used to uh, intern with me and now she's the director of the first tee of Knoxville. She, she has habitat dogs um, and, and they're, right. you know, they're trained and then they go to take them to nursing homes or hospitals or wherever. But um that's such a good idea. We have a golden retriever rescue too in Knoxville that a guy at our club helps mm-hmm. run. So I could definitely get them involved. I mean, who doesn't like a fluffy golden retriever? That's a really good right. idea. And you know, and what a, <laughs> right. And what a great way to, to promote the, um, not only what you're doing with, with the kids, but also their, their rescue efforts. I mean, it's sort of a win-win for yeah. both, uh, for both ideas. So, um, wow, I'm glad I brought that up. I'm going to write that down that's and, good. and, uh, and, uh, keep that for future, but, um, yeah, no, that's I think great. it's well, fantastic. We did a fundraiser. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to no, say, no, we did ahead, a fundraiser please. called, uh, for the belly rose basset rescue. Cause you know, it's all volunteer. And so we just, we live off of donations and, and that's how we, um, survive. But so I've done, uh, putts for mutts, <laughs> which we had a two hour, we set up an awesome, you know, uh, putting course on our putting green, a nine-hole crazy um, putt-putt course. We hired a um, a steel drum guy out of Atlanta, which he was great, and we had a tiki bar set up. We had some hors d'oeuvres, and because we figured everybody can putt, so we didn't want to have, like, a golf tournament because that would limit it. So we had, uh, we had the putting thing, and everybody can do that, and it was hilarious mm-hmm. and fun, and we brought some of the dogs, and um, I think we raised – maybe about $5,000 or something, but it was, it was really great. So wow. we've done that a few times. Yeah. So. Well, you're that's like what I mean. Is that, you know, there's so many. W- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to come What'd you over. say, Cindy? <laughs> yeah. I said you're you like the minister of fun. Well, you know, golf, think about it. Golf's hard and it's time consuming. Yeah. So my philosophy is you got to kind of trick people into doing it. And, you know, everybody, who doesn't want to have a good time? So, <laughs> ah, I like that. We're yeah, tricking I, you into playing. We are. I have a couple of stats <laughs> I, I would want to share with you guys. Um, sure. In 2016, there were 2.5 million uh, new golfers that entered golf. Because you know how you always hear, well, golf is struggling and, you know, people aren't coming into the game. Yeah. So that is the highest ever okay, since, like, Tiger Woods in 2000. Um, 20 million people experienced golf for the first time, either at Top Golf or other driving ranges. So golf is, you know, golf is starting to adapt. I mean, d- Top Golf is really taking off. People who don't even play golf yep. go to it and spend hours there with their friends. So, um, you know, that's the thing. And then we talked about the junior, you know, the adaptation for the juniors, making the clubs better. You know, club fitting, having fun programs. There are better educated coaches. I um, mean, really, you have to capture that golfer young, and then they'll stay in the game. You know, so that's. That's why I'm so passionate about junior golf. Um, you know, I grew up an athlete in Massachusetts. I played a lot of sports, but nobody stuck a golf club in my hand and said, try this when I was little. You know, I took tennis lessons. I took swimming lessons. I played basketball, no. you know, stuff like that. So I love the opportunity to give these kids, boys and girls, the opportunity to experience our game, you know, starting from whenever they're interested in it, you know, whenever the parents want to bring them. I've had kids as young as three. So, you know, it's all about adapting it to 
you know, who they are. And I, and I think that's what, you know, when we say the LPGA way of teaching, that's what we do. We take the person in front of us and we make it, you know, the best it can be for, for that person, whether they're three or, you know, 75. Or 85. Yeah, I, 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 or 85. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's You're exactly right, uh, Louise. You know, this is something that I think that, you know, we all strive for in the profession is, is to to really find new ways of of introducing the game to maybe folks that maybe otherwise wouldn't consider it. And you're exactly right with what you said earlier about getting these youngsters early because you're right. I I think back now I was very fortunate because my father you know loved and played golf, so he taught me at a very very early age. You know I was you know three or four when he first put a club in my hand, and I didn't really start playing you know, what I would classify as serious till is about seven, but nevertheless, it was, it was introduced to me at a very early age, but for most mm-hmm. kids, you're exactly right. It might, it might be, you know, soccer or baseball or, you know, football or some other sport, um, you know, that they're introduced at a very early age. And unless the parents are involved in golf themselves, that child, for the most part, they may not even pick up a golf club and if at all until they're 13, 14 years old. And by mm-hmm. that time they've already, developed an interest or passion for something else. So, you know, something else that, and I don't know whether this has ever been tried and I'm, well, I'm going to start writing these ideas down, but you know, there's a lot of great um, kids groups, you know, whether it be the boy scouts, the, the um, girl guides or girl scouts or, you know, whatever they're called um, across the nation where I remember being a scout when I was younger, you know, we never had golf. It was always other sports that they, they had, you know, that might be something that the industry considers as different girls and boys groups across the nation, get golf into their programs, um, you know, work with some mm-hmm. of the professionals, get them to come in and work with them. They don't have to, to have these great grandiose clinics or anything, but just introduce the sport and game to areas um, at, at an earlier age that otherwise they wouldn't get. And I think that they'll see, as you said, the stats you mentioned are going to continue to grow. And I think that we'll see more and more people that, like you said, uh, that otherwise maybe wouldn't get the game until much later in life, adopt it earlier in their life and uh, reaping the benefits along the way. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, you know, it's, I know it's been a focus for the LPGA since 2010, especially where, you know, we've had girls golf for a long time but it wasn't really growing mm-hmm. the way we wanted it to. So we put a huge emphasis on let's really get more of our LPGA members involved and become site directors. So we've just from 2010, we've, um, we've grown over a thousand percent in girls golf. So we've got, we went from 5,000 girls golf members to over 75,000 last year. Um, so our goal is to get to a hundred thousand girls golf members by 2020. And I, I think we're going to do it, you know, so Absolutely. girls, yeah, girls now make up 33% of all juniors who play golf. I mean, that's huge, you know. So, yeah. And the diversity has gone up, too. Yeah, so it, 20 years ago, um, one in 17 juniors was non-Caucasian, and now it's one in three. Right. So, I mean, golf is reaching yeah. everybody, and we're really doing a good job putting the focus on getting the kids involved younger and making it fun and making good programs for them to stick with. Yep, and that's that's the key to it. Well, I hate to say this, but unfortunately, our, our time is up, and we've got to uh, close out the program. But we want to thank you, um, Louise, for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. It has been very interesting discussion and, and conversation, and we're glad that you're doing what you're doing, and, and please keep doing it. Um, but also, I, I just want to throw out there, um, as I mentioned earlier in the show, 
Uh, one of the things that we're going to be doing different uh, this year on the program is uh, periodically, uh, once a month, the third uh, Tuesday of every month, we're going to be uh, featuring a, a panel discussion of, of like-minded and, and uh, fellow professionals and industry types. So what I'm going to do is I'd, I'd like to throw this out there, for, uh, and we'll set it up at, at a later point, but I'd like to offer an opportunity for you to maybe join in on one of the panel discussions a little bit later on when it's convenient for you. Um, I think you've got some great ideas and, and uh, interesting thoughts to share. So if you're interested, um, we'll, we'll make that happen um, to join in on one of the uh, future shows on one of the panel discussions that we're going to have. So if you're interested, uh, let us know and, and uh, we'll, we'll make that happen. Okay, that'd be great. I would love to. I'd be honored to. Well, thank you I, again, so thank much, you, my Louise, dear. All right, you guys. Thanks for having me. That was fun. And uh, anytime I can day. add my two cents, I'd love to. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That was a very special guest from uh, Tennessee, from Knoxville, uh, Louise Ball, a uh, 20-year member of the LPGA, and uh, we uh, enjoyed having her on the show. And, and Cindy, I, I hate to say it, but we're wrapping up our first show. It actually went by pretty quick. I'm surprised. Um, it it, it sure went did. by a lot faster than I anticipated. But uh, we got lots of other things to do. And next week, I believe you said uh, Jane Blaylock is going to be joining us. We've had her many times on the show uh, over the years, and uh, our good friend Jane is going to be joining us uh, next Tuesday here on the Women of Golf Show, so you want to make sure you come back. So on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, uh, have a great week. Thank you, as always, for joining us, all the listeners out there for faithfully tuning in. And don't forget to go to blogtalkradio.com uh, and type in Women of Golf, and you can catch us there, or on iTunes, Stitcher, or tunein.com, any of those media platforms as well. And you can see us on social media, on our personal pages and, and contact pages, and you can reach out to Cindy and I personally through our emails that I uh, mentioned earlier. So make sure you do so. And on that note, we want to thank you very much for joining in, and we will see you next Tuesday right here on the Women of Golf. Thanks, everybody, and God bless. Thanks, Cindy. Bye-bye, Ted. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.